Hey guys, hope you're doing well. Bunch of stuff went down in the sporting world this week. We had the Duke-UNC game, of course, another classic. We had a whole bunch of stuff go down at the NBA trade deadline, and I just want to give a few of my quick thoughts. Y'all know the rules, drop the beat, and let's get right to it. And welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to the Mind of Mike J podcast. As always, again, I am back with this week's episode. This time, I had to wait because I wanted to. I knew Duke UNC was going to deliver this week. I knew the NBA trade deadline was coming up. And I had to basically take a couple days to really process everything and basically be able to give my thoughts on exactly what we saw transpire. First off, Another classic, another chapter in the storied Duke-UNC rivalry. Of course, my Tar Heels were able to pull that out. So shout out to UNC and Coach Roy Williams for what I thought was a brilliantly coached game. And in, in a situation where you are, on paper, not even close on the same talent level, and you're able to pull out a victory... It's a combination of a lot of other things. And most of that, I think, has to go to coaching. So I think Roy Williams deserves a big deal of credit for that. Also, drop some poo-poo water on Duke, please. Just just go ahead and let that play. Oh, goodness gracious. What was that? That was terrible. I'm sorry. You're supposed to have all the new NBA. You're supposed to have all the NBA prospects, all the NBA talent. You got the number one point guard coming out of the last freshman class. You have the number one possibly overall prospect. You have at least two other guys that will probably get drafted on your team. You got a whole damn team of NBA guys. How the hell do you get out rebounded by North Carolina? Forty four to thirty eight, I believe. Forty four to thirty eight. But to be completely honest with you, this Duke team doesn't appear to be mentally, I feel like there's something missing. They don't appear to be they don't appear to, to be a very tough team to me. And that's I think what really stood out. You could see the sense of urgency uh with the way UNC was playing. I didn't get that same vibe with with I just didn't. And in my and like I said, and in trying to sound as unbiased as possible, I really did not get that vibe from Duke at all. Also, what really stood out to me was the fact that Duvall, the point guard, was taken out of the game in the middle of the, you know, in the in the latter part of the second half. They had Grayson Allen running point guard, which everyone knows Grayson Allen is not a point guard, not even close. He's not nearly as effective bringing up the ball and having to dump it to, to other people. Duke's offense becomes really one-dimensional when that happens. So I kind of knew... I kind of felt like the momentum was shifting the UNC side permanently when that happened. But I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but that's something we need to pay attention to. And I know, I know he was in foul trouble, so that probably had a lot to do with it, but it didn't seem like at any given time, other than maybe Bagley, that any of Duke's players were really making an effort to really like put their 
make their mark on this game. I just didn't see it. Now, on UNC's side, I think MVP has to go to... It's a combination of a few people. I personally have a soft spot for the guys that do the little things. So, in my opinion, Theo Pinson was the MVP of this game, defending Marvin Bagley. Not completely stopping him, but allowing... UNC to not just get completely destroyed on the defensive end because that's what Duke has been able to do to a lot of teams is just feed is just feed the post and basically run their entire offense through one guy and they did a real they did an excellent job of <clears throat> they did an excellent job of defending the three point line I thought they did an excellent job of defending Theo Pinson did an excellent job of one-on-one defending Bagley and I think moving forward I think it was a good strategy to not put another big man on him because what I've noticed is Bagley likes to likes to face up and take his man off the dribble which would mean a bigger guy is going to be slower and not able to stay in front of him so you put a smaller guy on him that stays and that can stay in front of him and force him to be a back to the basket kind of guy and, like I said, you're not going to completely stop him. I'm looking at the box score right now. He had 16 points on 7 for 13 shooting, so it's not like he completely stopped him. But I thought it was still, or 15 points, excuse me. I thought it was still a very, very good effort. UNC shot the ball well. That was key. The problem that I've noticed with this UNC team is that you can really, you can normally count on Joel Berry for points. You can, for the most part, count on, Luke May for points. It's always, but it's always been just two guys. It's never been three. This game, Kenny Williams had 20. Cam Johnson had 18. Both of them were 7 for 15 shooting. You had Joel Berry with 21. Luke May had 15. This was an all-around effort and probably one of the better games I've seen UNC play all season. Just in terms of everyone contributing Everybody, everyone on the team kind of fitting in, getting in where they fit in. The shooters, the shooters got open and made shots. Joel Berry, the ball handler, didn't turn the ball over. You know, Luke May and Theo Pinson did a solid job rebounding, making sure that they were in position, not allowing, not allowing Duke to just overwhelm on the boards because that was my big concern going into this game. And they actually ended up on the offensive rebounding side having an offensive rebounding advantage. This was just a very, very solid effort. Again, masterful coaching job by Roy Williams. I mean, he, he just straight up outcoached Coach K this time around. This is there's no other way to put it. And I think Duke is a very, very talented team. On paper, they should beat everybody. But it just appears to me that mentally there might be something missing with this team. I'm not, Like I said, I'm not sure exactly what it is. What we do know is they're not very deep. Other than Bolden and O'Connell. They had Bolden play 17 minutes off the bench. O'Connell put in 18. Other than that, that was pretty much it. As opposed to UNC got 12 from Garrison Brooks, 8 from Playtex, 6 from Robinson. So... For the most part, the starters played a good bit most of the game. But like I said, it just it just appears to me that there's something 
there's a something mentally missing with this Duke team. And we don't know. I'm not saying they won't turn it around. I'm not trying to make any kind of bold prediction for the rest of the season. I think they should be favored to win at Duke when they meet again in a few weeks. I think that's beyond it. And UNC has a very tough schedule. I know they play NC State. Uh, I know they're playing today is Saturday the 10th, so that game is later today. That is not an, that's not going to be an easy game. I'm actually worried because coming off such an emotional win like that, it's hard to regain your focus so quickly, and you're going to need it against NC State, obviously. I would just like to shut up their fan base, honestly, because NC State wants to be a part of this rivalry so bad. They've been... Everywhere you go on social media, you see state fans bringing up the fact that they've beaten both UNC and Duke this year and trying to, like, inject themselves into the rivalry. And it's just not... NC State, it's not a rivalry. It's it's not. I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to diss UNC. I'm not trying to say that... Or, excuse me, I'm not trying to diss NC State. I'm not trying to say that NC State is a... Is like a you know a bad school. I hell I applied I I applied to U, uh, NC State and I got in. I didn't go, but I applied to NC State. My brother grad, graduated from there. I have no problems with NC State, but don't act like NC State and UNC means the same as a UNC Duke game. Maybe for, maybe for the NC State fan base it does, but. If you're a UNC fan, you you just don't you don't look at NC State as we gotta win this game. It's, it's just not, and it never will be that way. I don't think. So, like I said, I I feel like NC State sees the energy surrounding a Duke UNC game, and I feel like they want a piece of that. They want a piece of that so badly, and they you just don't have it. There there is. They're another big. There, I mean, they're a big school, kind of, sort of, right down. This, I mean, they're Raleigh is, you know, a thirty-minute drive from Durham. So, I mean, they're they're very close in the vicinity, but you know, like I said, it's it's just not a rivalry. It's just not. It's not. It's, it doesn't have the history. It, it doesn't. It's not storied. They've had way more lopsided games. You don't see a UNC. You'll never see UNC beat Duke by fifty points. You'll just never see that. You will you will see it when UNC plays NC State. That's all I'm saying. But let's get to these trades. We had, first of all, the Cleveland Cavaliers alone could have been the storyline of the trade deadline. But I want to address my hometown Hornets first. They traded, they traded my boy Job, J-O-B, Johnny O'Brien, for... How do you say this dude's name? Hernan Gomez? Willie Hernan Gomez? I thought it was a... Eh. I'm honestly... Not trading Kemba Walker was the biggest story of the trade deadline for the Hornets. What they didn't do. More so than what they did. There wasn't going to be any move that was really going to shake up the roster like that. Unless they traded, you know, Batum and some of these other guys... Batum, Kid Gilchrist, Kid Gilchrist, Dwight Howard, some of these other names I heard thrown around there. I was really hoping they wouldn't trade Kemba Walker, partially because I just bought a jersey, a Kemba Walker jersey. But two, I mean, the guy's the greatest player, no question, in the franchise's history. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there. I'm putting Kemba Walker over Morning, Muggsy Bogues, Del Curry, all them people. Yes, I am putting 
Kimba Walker in front of all of them. He is the most accomplished player in the history of this franchise. So for Charlotte to trade him doesn't seem like we should be able to hold on. You need stability, especially at the point guard position. You need stability on your roster. We'd be better off trying to... Like I said, the Hornets have missed on so many All-Stars in the draft. Personally, I think we just need better scouting personnel to go ahead and bring in some more franchise cornerstones through the draft because out of literally all the opportunities we've had, like I said, we, we passed on Brad Beal. In 2012 alone, we passed on Brad Beal, Clay Thompson, and Damian Lillard in favor of Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So, you know, just to put that in perspective. But this is this is definitely Hernan Gomez. I have on to be honest, I haven't seen this guy play from what I read about him. He was very very good in New York. He was kind of coming up, he was doing his thing. He was looking like he was going to shape up to be a very nice player. So we'll see. Johnny O'Brien was never going to be a star. So we we know that. Uh, and, and you know, our big man rotation is now, now we got Hernan Gomez, Zeller, Kaminsky, Howard, and Marvin Williams. So someone's going to have to figure that out. But in other news, the Cavs basically, basically got, went out and got a whole new roster in one day. Isaiah Thomas is gone in favor of George Hill. Derrick Rose is gone. You got, who else did they pick up? Jay Crowder's gone. They've got Jordan, now they've got Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. from the Lakers. Isaiah's in L.A. now. They've got George Hill coming over from, I believe it was Sacramento. I don't, I want to get excited about this. They got Rodney Hood. That's the guy I'm forgetting. They've got Rodney Hood as well from Utah. So I want to get excited about this. I think the Cavs are going, I think as long as the Cavs have LeBron number one, they're going to be the best team in the East. I don't care what y'all say. Come playoff time, put some money up. If you really think, if you really think Cleveland is not going to the finals, I challenge anybody, come playoff time, put some money up. If y'all are that confident. Because let me tell you right now, I don't think it's smart to bet against LeBron who would be going on, who's been to what, seven straight finals, going on eight this year. That's almost a decade of completely dominating the Eastern Conference. Let's be real. That's not. It's not going to be smart to bet against that guy. But, you know, I said the same thing when they traded Kyrie away. I said Isaiah, I said this team with Isaiah and Jay Crowder and all this stuff might end up being a lot better team than what it was last year. That proved to not be true at all. Part of that might be Isaiah's injury. Part of that might have been a team chemistry thing. From the outside looking in, it appears to be a little bit of both. D-Wade is back in Miami. So, you know, that seems, that that feels right, honestly. 
it feels right to see Dwayne Wade back in Miami, even if he's going to turn around and retire after this year. Obviously, the guy's not really in a position to contribute, but so much anymore. You can tell once his athleticism left him, he was just kind of not even close to being the same player. LeBron's kind of diminished. LeBron's not nearly as athletic as he used to be, but he's still extremely skilled and effective. Dwayne Wade just seems like he just doesn't got it anymore. So, uh, long story short, I'm trying to hold off on any real excitement around surrounding this Cavs team. Because, to be honest, I don't think it really... In the long run, it doesn't really change anything. Wade is... Or, excuse me. They're still the best team in the East. They're still not better than Golden State. They will still most likely lose to Golden State. So, it is what it is. Isaiah Thomas to the Lakers. I'm a, That's interesting. Apparently, he's already shaking stuff up. Apparently, he's already saying he won't come off the bench. Which, I don't know what you thought was about to happen. I don't know if, I don't know if you, I don't know if Isaiah noticed, but the Lakers just drafted some guy named Lonzo Ball, number two, to be their, to be the cornerstone of their franchise. I don't see them changing that for no Isaiah Thomas. I just don't. I'm not sure what, where he's getting that from, but apparently... Apparently this guy is just, apparently this guy Isaiah is just trouble. I'm starting to see it now. I gave him a lot of props for what he was able to do in Boston. But it's very clear, it's very clear this guy just doesn't, in the long run, he's just not, for whatever reason, nobody sees him as a player that they can build around. So I kind of feel bad for the guy, I kind of don't. But... It is what it is. Let's see some other stuff that went on around the league. We got... Let's see. Alfred Payton's no longer in Orlando. I'm not sure where... Where did they send him? They sent him to Sacramento? Is that what happened? Sorry, I'm trying to read this. I'm trying to like read up on all these. There were just so many. It's, it's hard to keep up with them all. So Orlando's going, yeah, they're they're definitely trying to they're gonna be looking for a point guard in the draft. Um Portland sent Noah Vonley to Chicago. So yeah, nothing nothing real none other real big trades of note. Like I said, Cleveland pretty much made up the entire storyline of the <clears throat> Cleveland pretty much made up all the noteworthy trades around the trade deadline. So it was very interesting. In the meantime, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to go into halftime, and I will be right back. All right, interesting, interesting. Again, welcome back. I was just reading about this Jimmy Garoppolo contract. So I don't know for those of you that are not that are just paying for those of you that were paying attention that hopefully you guys did not miss this looking around at all this stuff that was going on in the NBA. The 49ers kind of went and snuck in this 140 what what is this now? 
$149 million, I believe. <clears throat> Jimmy Garoppolo's New Deal. Kyle Shanahan's new... Five-year, $137.5 million. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. This is insane to me. <clears throat> My understanding is this is a, this is a five-year deal worth basically around $140 million. He's got 90 guaranteed, which would basically make him the highest paid player in the NFL. I'm, I'm sorry. Jimmy Garoppolo won four games last year. Four. Four meaningless games at that. Your season was already over. You hadn't beaten anybody prior to that. So let's not act like you're this great team all of a sudden. Um, And that warrants highest paid in the league kind of money. See, here's my problem with this. I understand... I understand the importance of quarterbacks. I understand you're optimistic. I understand you really want to attach a new face to your franchise that the fans can get behind. But if guys like this are able to get this kind of money, I feel like it makes the actual superstars, it gives them leverage, and it's going to make them almost impossible to retain without paying an arm and a leg. What's somebody like What's somebody like Carson Wentz going to command in a couple years? What's somebody like Deshaun Watson, assuming he can come back from his injury and play at the level he was playing before? What's somebody like him going to command in a few years? You're giving out this kind of money to Jimmy Garoppolo? Listen, we have fil- there's film on him now. So teams have an entire offseason to go back, look at film study, come back, and then let's see how bad this guy is. But you gave him $140 million for for what? For four, I, like I said, I mean, I'm not hating on the guy. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do with their money. I'm just saying, let's slow down. Uh, let's slow down a little bit. Y'all, the 49ers were so quick to basically... Because if this doesn't work, you're crippled financially for the next five years. You're crippled financially. You threw all that money at him. I mean, you saw where it got you saw where it got the Colts. Colts gave Andrew Luck all kinds of money. He still hasn't played. Is that his fault? Not really. I'm not sure. Some people are saying it's mental at this point with him. Um, but like I said, they gave him $140 million for literally nothing. So you know, let's slow down with these dang on contracts, man. This is this is nuts. I mean, I, I I want the guy to do well. I don't wish I don't wish ill on anybody, especially when you know he hasn't done anything to me. He hasn't he has he doesn't seem to be a bad person. He seems like he come he has a good pedigree. He comes from a good system, all that good stuff. But come on, let's let's calm down with this stuff. Anyway, guys, that's pretty much all I got to say. Again, I appreciate everybody listening. This has been the Mind of Mike J Podcast. New episodes every week. I Again, I am now listed on several different outlets. I will make sure to get that to you because I've changed platforms. So I will make that public knowledge. But in the meantime, again, this has been the Mind of Mike J Podcast. I am signing off. <laughs>